everyone. Today you are joined on another Be Free podcast with myself, Destiny Kamari. And today I'll be joined by Ad Gridley, who will be speaking about his experiences with psychosis. Um, and now um, he, he's sharing his mental health experiences um, with other people and has also created a book. Um, so hi, Ad. Hi, Destiny. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. So um, let's start off by telling the listeners today a bit about what you've been through, so your experiences and your symptoms. Yeah, well, um, I'm like 45 in April and uh, it was when I was 18 that everything turned around for me. Uh, Before I I, I did a gap year to Canada at that time, Um, before that time I was a well-rounded kind of an individual. Uh, had a steady girlfriend, very wholesome. Uh, our first date was like a double date playing badminton at a local sports centre. Everything very above board and uh, straight laced, I suppose. Uh, at school, I was into basketball, uh, tennis, and played badminton with my dad. Um, I would sort of get involved in these sports. I wouldn't be particularly good, but I was like reliable, like an American would say, maybe uh, had a lot of heart with these things. So I, I became a qualified South Thames basketball referee at one point, and all the gestures and the whistle bursts and things. Yeah. Uh, with the, the tennis, I had a lawn tennis association ranking of like plus 40, like solidly for years, which is the lowest ranking you can get. I might go up to plus 33 now and again, but always came back because uh, we, we couldn't afford expensive coaches. So I'd only improved by playing people better than me or practicing my, my serve on the court by myself. But I would like to do them, and I knew that would be good to have physical exercise. And the, uh, the badminton was good, because uh, my parents were up when I was 11, my brother was nine, and we used to play uh, badminton with my dad, which is like tennis, of course, but the shuttlecocks don't bounce and roll for miles. So there's less cleaning up after yourself, and uh, everything's played indoors. They're very sort of sociable sports. Um, I was musical too. I was playing uh, Spanish guitar uh, up to performance standard. I had a grade five classical piano uh, certificate. And I was, play- you know, as I said, I was playing um, guitar in front of people. But sadly, um, my first kind of brush up against uh, peer pressure was that the school I went to was a boys' school and you had to be either good at rugby or cricket or football. Uh, otherwise, you weren't really respected. So I thought I'm wasting my time with like playing guitar. I mean, everyone else is playing football. So sadly, I sort of um, stopped all the music and everything. Um, I was doing martial arts too, where uh, I'd learned that if I keep doing them, I mean, at boys' school, I was putting a headlock on maybe on Monday. I'll go to class on Wednesday, ask my teacher how to get out of a headlock. And he knew how to do that. So like by Thursday, Friday, no one put me in a headlock anymore. Then it'd be like a full Nelson the next week, and it was it was practically good. Yeah. Um, but someone said if 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 you keep practicing these martial arts, like there's towards the slower side, the softer ones, um, after a whole lifetime, you don't have to put anyone in a in a wrist lock because you become so hypersensitive to any danger, uh, and you can de-escalate really smoothly. Yeah. So I was thinking this is great. But the same week though, it was devastating. I read uh, one of my favorite bands at the time would be interviewed and they said, if you smoke a cannabis joint, they didn't put it in those terms, um, you can get this hypervigilance immediately. So I thought, right. Uh, I knew that I had nowhere near any drug connections in England because I was so goody two shoes, if you like. But, yeah. you know, people knew where they stood with me, which was also 
Um, so I thought I'd try this cannabis stuff, maybe it'll work. Uh, I wouldn't mind like doing martial arts till I'm 80 or 90, but if I could do one joint, and there were no downsides, no one put any downsides to me. They said, yeah, you get the munchies, you start giggling, you get lots of friends, uh, that's it. Like, it never occurred to me that paranoia could come into it, and I had no idea how strong paranoia can be. So, um, yeah, I went to Canada as soon as I could, uh, got hold of some weed. And yeah, I had loads of friends suddenly. But um, after a whole year of being like uh, the uh, globe traveling stoner, um, I came back to England. I didn't have a personality, which is a shame. I mean, a couple of other things before I left uh, I had eight GCSEs, uh, A to C, which was good. Yeah. Uh, I failed business studies. But, um, Three A levels, uh, C in French and physics, and a B in biology. So, my plan was to go was to do a psychology degree because I put my details into a uh, the careers library computer. And computers were like massive and clunky. Uh, this is the 90s. There's no internet, no sort of social media. Um, and it came back. This, this computer said that you'll be a brilliant um, jingle writer, advertising copywriter. So. I knew that I had a cousin in, in Manhattan, in New York, all places, you know, done really well for himself. And his wife worked for uh, Cosmopolitan. So during my week, uh, on my year out, I would go and visit them. But um, first I got myself a job through this, this company called World Challenge, Fill the Gap. Uh, and they got me a job at the Bamp Springs. Uh, if you Google the Bamp Springs, if you've ever sort of got a moment to spare, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous hotel. Um, it's so old, it doesn't have air conditioning, but that's the only reason it's not five star. It's like four and a half star, and the whole town of Banff has sprung up around this hotel, and I was working there. Uh, I had to do a whole year there, but I had uh, to get my work permit, I had to have a deferred entry place in a UK university. So I got myself that after a few interviews, because I didn't actually have a psychology degree, which was a bit of a uh, shortcoming. But um, yeah, I found myself in Canada, um, able to do whatever I want. Uh, suddenly, loads and loads of friends. I mean, things, if I kept doing cannabis, um, in my head, I had this little phrase, uh, paranoia will destroy her. But because I'd, I'd passed my 11 plus uh, to get into this school, I thought, no, my paranoia can never, I, I, my mind would never turn on me. But that was a complacency, yeah, I couldn't afford. Is, um another thing yeah so uh it was it was terrible really but i was doing it all the time and uh it became like the main thrust of like my whole being over there so i mean the Banff springs and the Banff itself resort i mean the lake louise i could have like done uh kayaking white water rafting there was like uh the sulfur hot springs like half an hour away and uh, bubbling up geothermal mud bath, you know, good for your skin and warm and all this. Uh, and I didn't go there. I, I think I took like five photos uh, in the whole year, I don't know what I I started starting off uh, in Banff, but I got fired because I was getting high all the time. Yeah. Um, the second job was much worse in, in a way because everyone that I was working with would take time out of their shift to go and smoke a joint. It was like, everyone was doing it they would call it like doobies people get like baked fried and cooked and things uh and before long uh i've been convinced that you should use the buzz from the weed 
uh, it makes you like super creative. Although actually in reality, it, it, you have to concentrate on creativity. No one told me that. So I started writing limit like reams and reams of words. They, 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 they were loosely connected. There was no cadence, meaning, you know, sometimes they'd rhyme. But because I was English, my, all my uh, co-workers that I was living with thought I was Shakespeare. So <laughs> it really went to my head though, Destiny, because as soon as it, like I'd heard that, like for the hundredth time, I was like, I sh- yeah, I should go to New York. I should like seek my fortune. They're right. So I, um, I mean, my diet at the time, like, I was just in complete dereliction, really. I would buy like 24 uh, frozen burgers, value frozen burgers, and like um, just microwave them, microwave like 12 at a time, and just eat them like gooey and grey. And so, yeah, I ran out of money, came back to Calgary, came back to England, and tried to do this psychology course. Oh my God. As I said, I didn't have an A level in psychology. And also, everyone around me was a year younger generally because they didn't have that gap year so I just pissed up the wall basically um so they were younger they had like this uh, intellectual advantage that I mean you would know this destiny as a student of psychology um what is the thought you know and I'll be thinking why did she ask that why did the lecturer ask that of all things how do we formulate memories like why why did she ask that I would be more concentrating on like, why did that person in the corridor out, outside, I can't see, scuff their shoe at that time. What does it all mean? You know, I've got a bit of rough paper here, like a triangle on the back of it. She, next to me, she's got like a circle on hers. But, I mean, if PlayStations had been out, it would have been a PlayStation related paranoia. But at the time, it's like, what is going on? This is like some Egyptian hieroglyphic uh, curse that has been like uh, leveled at me. And, uh, I would sort of want any sort of social situations just to swallow me up. I hated them. I have I have a few questions for you. Um, yeah. So first of all, so when you went round London, um, did yeah. you feel like your family was looking for you, or people cared and would reach out for you, or um, was this voice telling you that that was not the case? Yeah, I mean, one thing is, that it, if it was one voice, then I, I maybe could have tuned it out, but it was like from everywhere. Uh, even like things, just say there's a thunderstorm on the horizon, like I heard the, the, the thunder far removed from the actual lightning. That would be the time it would be like, it was very, it seemed very interlinked and like someone was orchestrating all the noises. Uh, if like someone, someone crossed the road up ahead of me, that would mean heightened things for me. Uh, I was interpreting everything for me to be the victim and to, uh, everyone's trying to upend me and undermine me. And um, I, I I thought I was doing it for them, uh, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was, it was, I remember, because it, it turned out I was charged with criminal damage and I was put in an act, actual prison. My, uh, my approach to being locked up in a, in a cell was to start singing uh, as loud as I could because yeah. uh, it felt right to do. I had lots of emotions um, and uh, it turned out that was a way of getting a cigarette off, off the guards. So um, at other times I was like signing legal paperwork. I had no idea what I was signing. Um, I kept like the triplicate uh, copy, the blue copy, uh, folded it into a paper aeroplane and just floated it through the bars. 
everything was like on a really weird level. I felt like when, yeah. Like I was just gonna say, there's a fine line between like um, people being imprisoned who are uh, suffer from mental distress. Um, yeah. Opinion on that because obviously, like you weren't in the right mind to sign all these legal documents and stuff, but you were treated like you had full sanity. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I because I, I was on. I was on quetiapine and citalopram at the time, and um, I knew that I'd been for like three or four nights without that. And um, but in one of the cells, the other, the other, my cellmate who'd been there a while had like cordial bottles all over one side of the, the side of the cell. He offered me some uh, some ribena, which is nice, but then he offered me some heroin, and I, I was thinking, mm, I, I, I'm sort of out of sorts already as it is. But this really, uh, really offended him. And uh, he had a sneaky way of getting back at me. He trashed his, he did, he chased the dragon or whatever it is himself with his foil and his heroin. Because uh, I turned it down. I was like, no, you know. And uh, after he'd done his uh, drugs, he sort of like pushed over a table and started wrecking stuff. It's great. And I turned out, I, it made sense afterwards because uh, the guards came running through the door. Uh, and he snuck out pretending it was all me. He blamed me for it. Right. So I, I was the one carried down to solitary uh, yep. where my, my singing wouldn't get me any cigarettes. Um, actually, I was in such a bad way that they, they sent the uh, prison um, pre- priest or something, the pastor, to come and have a chat with me uh, with uh, a bodyguard, which I liked. But um, see, that this is the thing. When I was at school, if you weren't... Uh, danger to yourself or others you you didn't get much respect or good at football and and rugby you didn't get didn't get any respect so now i was thinking yeah i can be a danger to others you know or or myself if all else fails but yeah it's very strange and um i thought they'd 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 read me the last rites like secretly while they were talking so i thought right i'm gonna die now and uh it's a strange sort of relationship with, with with mortality with when every moment is expanded like infinitely and uh, there's no consequences to things. There's uh, definitely no five-year plan. You know, uh, everything is immediate. And if you can't live up to that immediacy, you kind of feel like you're being left behind. Uh, since like 2010, when I was last discharged, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tending to make a lot more sense you know, my my actions actually are going somewhere. Uh, I've learned about patience and rewards and uh, a work ethic now. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm getting up at like six in the morning on a weekday. Uh, in the past, it'd be like eleven. Um, so it's it's great because my circadian rhythm is getting realigned back to where it should be. Uh, getting lots of sleep, medication. I mean. It's coming down gradually, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of on an, on an upswing at the moment. I, I was going to say as well. Um, so you're talking about the paranoia the experience. It's quite. Um, I think people can always like use the term that oh, I feel already paranoid. I feel already paranoid. But how did you know when that? Like obviously, what you've, you've explained was very kind of severe paranoia. Um, it, was there any moment where you realised? God, this is serious paranoia that needs to be addressed. Um, 
I, I, I never confronted it head on. Uh, the way that uh, it, it, it gradually got through to me that uh, it's not real, what I'm worried about, was this, this uh, zero hour concept. Yeah. Um, I would think, well, let's see if anything happens tonight. And this is very cocky thinking even to suggest it wasn't true. Um, and then the next day, you'd be like, well, nothing happened last night. Come to think of it, nothing happened the night before then either. So I'm thinking perhaps tonight, you know, nothing will happen. And yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way that I, the person I was would have, or even now, would have insulted uh, the people uh, with the power that I thought I'd insulted. I mean, like the Hells Angels, the uh, any kind of uh, organization who, 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 who relishes their, their authority, you know, why, why would you? Uh, at one point, I thought I was uh, I was uh, disrupting like an international ninja school because I think I'd watched too many films. Um, and outside of the two hours that uh, that I was doing kung fu with them, they were going all over the world like for millions of pounds per hit, uh, killing people like secretly. Yeah. And but I'd got hold of like. Uh, their their psychic password, which meant, okay, so you, you put a, a room in the same hotel as the target. Tonight is the night when you hear this word. It would be it would be something like mangrove or anything obscure, uh, and that would mean like tonight's the night. I would learn this word completely telepathically and apply it to what my thoughts of this organisation over and over, like like I was mocking them. Uh, there was a time when I actually got hold of like some Floridian weed on the ward. It's super strong skunk. Um, it's getting stronger all the time and legal. It's a bit worrying. But um, I, I, I was advised not to smoke the whole joint in one go. So I smoked half and, and left the other half while I was on the ward, this was, um, in my glasses case. And the next morning, I think I smoked the rest of it. But because I let my mind would overthink people say overthinking but when you're paranoid you don't want that to happen and uh, I thought I was causing all the hitmen again with this Hollywood thing to get get high before they carried out their hit before they killed whoever it was the president da, da, da. Um, because I put my joint in my glasses case and I was like the, I was like uh, the reason for everything nasty that happens in the world yeah. Uh, people were like disguising their contempt uh, so that something worse could happen to me. So it's, it, it's, you had negative voice experiences, negative yeah. paranoia. It was all very negative. And then, well, another thing I addressed was that when you were explaining your uh, suicide experiences, um, what I was kind of shocked about with that is the fact that, like, even after attempting, you you actually were able to it be discharged by the psychologist who believed that it yeah. was um, it was after yeah. a what you yeah. and let you go back on your own so through the whole kind of big um, attempts were you on your own sorry through the whole like reoccurring attempts of suicide were you um charging like on your own in the house and things well yeah because i was with my girlfriend and playing the harp who i thought was guarding me for zero hour so I was already pretty worried at the baseline. 
um, I must have convinced my family as well that I, it's a tricky subject to, to, to go, go back over um, with them because they care for me and finally I care for myself. But um, yeah, so uh, when I was in the flat again, I was surrounded by, what, a fair amount of weed, obviously, because I wanted to get high still, but all these different things like that would make noises, like the clanking of a radiator or, you know, structural clicks and things coming from heat expanding the uh, the walls and uh, bird song would be terrible as well. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it, it, actually my first psychiatrist uh, was surprised in sort of like marveling that he could conceal his true suicidal ideation yeah um, so he gets discharged back into a normal flat but when yeah. the truth came out people were quite surprised like like you said yeah uh, the, 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 these people are are, 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 uh, are taught how to spot these signs mm. so uh, yeah because i thought if i if i brought it up i mean heaven forbid i would tell anyone what i was really worried about um things would be even worse. So I thought I had to keep these secrets. And, and later on, uh, I, I might be told to go into counselling, do CBT, something like that. But because I was forced, as the way I saw it, to go there, it was they wanted to mine me for, for information. They want to find out what I know. Again, with these Hollywood movies. Um, but when it, when it was mine, when it came from me, the impetus, uh, it felt like confession. There was a religious thing to it, some well, the geographer was like a god. Um, these one to ones that I initiated were really beneficial. Uh, it, it might only be 15 or 20 minutes, but uh, that that was probably the most therapeutic uh times that I'd had on the wards because uh, my favorite nurses I mean, I've been in and out over 10 times uh to acute ward and twice to intensive. I knew them kind of thing, um, as professions, professionals, but um. Yeah, it was uh, that. That was if I didn't feel ready to open up, I don't think they could have got me to basically. Yeah, there was a lot of um, as well. I feel like there's a lot of mention that you keep saying about um, the media portrayal of psychosis, which is a massive thing, and that's um, that leads me on to my next point about stigmatization in the media. So, um, what what is it like to be labelled as having psychosis? Have you had any stigmatization experiences yourself? Um, not, not really. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't really. Um, I wouldn't call myself like uh, bipolar or something, mm. or definitely not like schizophrenic, because uh, I would say I was treated. So, because the amount of like the ingenuity of the chemicals that goes into uh, uh, making like pharmaceutical um, antipsychotic pharmaceutical drugs, the testing. You know the the uh, the focus groups, all that kind of thing. The, the decades that have gone into that lithium for someone's mental mental ill health, and just the amount of uh, resources, time, and money, and everything that, that that has gone into developing these highly delicate drugs. Um, and I I thought that I knew better. It was just it yeah it was. I I know that if I don't if I don't take the meds, I mean. I'll be I'll be untreated, and then I mean I won't walk into a sort of into a dinner party with a T-shirt saying I'm schizophrenic. I, I realise people are going to have like a, a knee-jerk reaction. I, I I don't see that. I've become quite expert at sort of glossing over this. Yeah. Uh, 
So, and, and, and as a service user in, in, in certain groups around the country now, um, so it could be anything. It could be like stroke victims who've got over that, or uh, cancer victims, a service user. But um, no, because lots of, like you, you have read, well, for ages I was really angry. I was angry at like the way the world had treated me and dealt me this hand, and yeah, everyone thinks they're so better than me. But um, then, then, then I sort of like become quite, uh, quite neutralised. I, I, I don't feel that way anymore. I think partly because I've always had a, an interest in, in other people and had the psychology degree and things to understand things, and uh, just that it well. Going with that. Sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. I, I was just saying, there's a, I feel like we've come to establishment that the cause of the psychosis is down to the, the cannabis induced psychosis. So, a lot of the time, you were um, obviously like high um, from having a cannabis. So, that might have affected how aware you were of this. But, did you notice any like uh, perceive, like any kind of social distancing from yourselves around people who knew that you had psychosis or anything? Um, not really, I think. And luckily, those around me are like forgiving people, like Tai Chi people, been amazing. Uh, other people that know the family kind of thing, been really understanding. Uh, I wouldn't sort of like uh, <laughs> go, like, yeah. I, That's definitely. I think, but if you become, if, if you sort of show yourself as being really kind and caring and, and patient and, uh, you know, I don't, people aren't going to like demand your backstory, but no, um, no I, I think as time goes by, I'm sort of like uh, things I've achieved since 2010 when I was last discharged. Just they kind of speak for themselves, and um, I'm just uh, really uh, pleased that sort of bounding out of bed in the morning and uh, like what what is today going to bring? So yeah. my whole life, my sort of uh, viewpoint on life has changed and. Uh, I think that's infectious. I, I would hate to betray anyone or, or, or make fun of anyone. So, uh, good about the way you've approached it is um, I think your outlook on it to look at the positives and actually like the way that you've come out the other side means that um, it's quite a positive outlook and you don't, you're not defined by a label or a condition. No, like no. What you've achieved since 2010, which is brilliant. And you've come so far now, which is brilliant. Yeah. There is uh, one of the added perks <laughs> is that if I get called for jury jury duty, yeah. I can write uh, under enhanced psychiatric care, and I don't have to go. Oh, so, uh, that's something. And also, yeah. actually, before I forget, uh, it's, it's great fun because uh, every well, you can't, I can't really say it's not fun, but I mean it's funny, I suppose. Every sit twelve about twelve months, I see a psychiatrist and we have a chat about stuff, and you know that's where it normally would end. But yeah. um, afterwards, I would get uh, uh, the letter that she CC'd me into for my GP, and it, the language do things like uh, "Ad was euthymic today," or "Ad mood was unremarkable," uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it gives me a different perspective on because I write write tons and tons of poetry, and I I like to sort of be aware of how people can see the same word from different yeah. uh, angles. So, I, yeah, I like to do that. Yeah. That's good to see your progress from other people as well, and especially at professionals who are very, like, kind of knowledgeable on this kind of subject. So that's, um, you were put on multiple medications when you were sectioned. 
but um, did this work for you or would you did, did you prefer kind of more did you try any therapy and like more holistic approaches uh, well the medication was like so instant um, like I said with the soul pride uh, almost immediately uh, as soon as I started taking it on the walk with no cannabis around uh, the noises were like nullified and I could actually like enjoy being alone in a room like because there's no sound there's no like demonic what's there trying to get to me um, so definitely there, there, there is room for uh, the successful drugs like that um, sadly though the side effects do uh, get to a lot of people the weight gain is the main one uh, because there's, there's no real drug I don't think that, that counters weight gain effectively so if you walk onto a, a, an acute or intensive ward, more likely to see like overweight people because uh, they might be comfort eating and that as well. And uh, I, I knew this girl once she had bul- bulimia. It was terrible. She was her teeth were melting away because the, she was retching all the time. Uh, it's terrible to see that. But um, I think. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of pleased that I won clozapine in a way because uh, uh, it's like, well, yeah, see, there, there'd be four weeks I have to go to a clozapine clinic. But um, yeah, therapy-wise, uh, as I said, I, I was told to go to CBT groups, like cognitive behavioural therapy, but um, I felt like they were trying to like squeeze me for information, find out what I knew about the geographer. Uh, yeah. What I'm prepared to like let like, let go of this information. Um, therapy therapy is really. I mean, if you consider group therapy, uh, I finally quit cigarettes uh, on the fifth of October, 2010, um, with the use of the NHS smoke-free groups, which was brilliant because uh, uh, it's like positive peer pressure. The third time I tried that, like 15 of us, all like, I promise I won't smoke for another week, and it was very positive. Um, but oh, I, 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 I do these cannabis clinics with Martin the 14th um, every week and uh, sometimes they have people on the ward uh, a laptop representing the people on the ward and they were asking questions in proper searches and things and this one bloke once is like yeah but I, I'm, I'm like 10 days free and everyone like yeah that's great but uh, he's got to walk past on his way to work or something um, a group of his old friends who still get high, but he's the only one who had psychosis from it. Like they say, one in seven people likely to get that. Yeah. So he's got to deal with his own friends and the emotional ties and the whole macho thing, you know, potentially. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's not easy to change your entire friend group. Uh, so yeah, hats off to him really, because I mean, ten days is huge. Uh, yeah. It's the power of the group again. I, I, I think it does does count as, a, as a, some sort of a therapy, even if it's online, you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, so that just highlights how good support groups are and like yeah. it depends really on the person, I guess, like um, and how, yeah. and what, like, so for you, for instance, because you thought that they were trying to get information out of you, maybe that wasn't the best approach to it. But then in other ways with smoking and stuff, that kind of positivity, positive reinforcement really helped you, so that's good. Um, what was your experience like on the hospital wards? So did you feel supported? Did your family come and visit you on the wards and stuff? Well, they, yeah, they did, they were great. I, I don't know if you've seen uh, the, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. 
Yes, I have. You have? Yeah, brilliant. Because uh, I think Andy is the, uh, the main bloke. He's like, um, I was never a crook on the outside. I had to come into prison to become like uh, on dishonest or something like that. Because he suddenly, became, it was a bit like that. Because there was a curving uh, corridor, long curving corridor uh, between the, the male section and the control room. And the other side of the control room was the female section. And this curving corridor, if you timed it right, you could like, you, you could sort of like uh, somehow conceal uh, like a bottle of whiskey or some sort of contraband or something. And you knew exactly where the, all, the, all the sight lines were. And it was all very like uh, board identity. Everyone was really sneaky. And um, if you had weed, it was kind of okay because from a distance, it looked like a cigarette. But if, yeah. you, had, if you had alcohol, then you had to be really careful and you couldn't go in front and breathe over a, a nurse or something like this. Um, it was a bit like school at first, uh, but then uh, I didn't even really like school. Um, but people, yeah, they, my, my parents would always come and um, visit me um, when they said they would uh, bring in the things I like, like uh, uh, black olives with the pips still in them, yeah. uh, Sony mini disc albums. So I had music to listen to. Uh, tobacco, this is before 2007. So I had something to smoke. Yeah. And yeah, I mean. I guess that really helped you through it, like in a way. Not not easy places to visit either. I mean, the uh, the intensive one where like, when I was first there, I had a 24 hour suicide watch on my bed to make sure that take off my shoelaces and belt and I don't want to strangle myself or strangle a guard or whatever and uh, I think a friend of mine from this jazz club uh, was searched for explosives before he was allowed on the ward so um, and every time he left the ward a description of what you're wearing was taken because it was common for people to try and abscond so the police had to know and these aren't sort of like nah aren't very human places in a way. I'd learned that after uh, we had to smoke outside, um, if, if you were sneaky enough, you could walk in past the nurse who was guarding with because we weren't allowed cigarette lighters, we weren't even trusted with them. Um, you walk past him on your way in, you like stub the, the, uh, the cigarette on the carpet as you walk in and, and, and sort of like shrug to the, to the nurse, like everything's fine. If you hurried back to your room, you could you could rekindle that cigarette and light another one off it and smoke in peace in your room where you shouldn't do it. This is the sort of place I was dead sneaky as well, actually, doesn't he? Um, I wanted to get some Listerine uh, onto the ward because I wanted to get drunk. And I had, I, obviously, that's not part of my life now, but at the time, it's like, okay, how should I go about this? And I came up with this plan where, um, I would pretend to have giant gingivitis. I would start moaning about it, and everyone recognised that Ad had a problem with his gum. And I would go moaning like gingivitis, this gingivitis, that. Uh, so no one thought it strange that when the, when the staff came around for the daily shop, that yeah. I put this listerine down as my item uh, and some tobacco, and they brought it back to me, and I necked the whole bowl. And I almost fell over straight away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I sort of became sneaky. Yeah. yeah. It's not always a good thing. 
what has been the turning point for you to recover then would you say and what has helped you cope with your mental distresses since uh what turned it around for me i think was realizing that i was actually making my my family suffer needlessly uh i was i felt guilty and embarrassed that uh i'd sort of promised i would give up weed so many times yeah. like who am i i can change how these people feel about me you know, who am I to keep dragging them through the mud like that? And I, 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 then I started thinking that uh, I've been doing this for ages and it's only me who can stop it, you know. This, this geographer character, maybe what if I've dreamt him up, you know. So I started doubting these things that I was worried about and that really helped. And to keep me here in this positive, uh, like, momentum is definitely like to get some sleep and have exercise and you know respect others take medication and um yeah you know good work ethic as well do something strenuous have some reward as generally you should because um, one of the things i was I, I was taught when i came well when i was discharged a few times get yourself out of debt you know that's the main that's the main one because I, I mean i feel for people who have this uh uh, payday loans and all this kind of thing, getting further and further into the into debt. So, just um, practical things, and uh, it's good to have stuff to look forward to. Also, so yeah, positive occupations. Yeah, what I'm hearing here is like um, positivity, and like I feel like you took control over these voices that at the beginning sounded like you felt you weren't in control of um which is a good way to kind of rationalize and um well recover in your case which is very good yeah uh, do you have any regrets through your journey uh i, I wish i'd never started getting high definitely yeah. i wish I, I wish i never read that magazine article with the band i can't i can't remember who it was and i laid the blame at their feet but uh it's such a shame. I mean, if I had like, if I had children, and they were like uh, in their early teens or whatever, oh my god, I would be so worried. Um, I mean, the, the the messages like the mass media, if you like, uh, are feeding us and our kids and even you know our parents to a certain degree. Uh, it's ultimately quite reckless because. It's, it, not everyone gets psychotic, but there's a chance that you could get psychotic. I always thought like paranoia was something that came and went so quickly if it was there, even there. Yeah. So I completely underestimated uh, when your thoughts turn against you, that, that, that would have blown my mind and be like, oh, someone's making that up. But yeah, regrets would be that. And uh, I wish I'd gone to the Sulphur Hot Springs too, <laughs> you know. Um, Thanks for sharing that. Um, What work are you doing now for mental health and what is your aim? Uh, Mental health, um, well, I'm trying to get my book out there to people. I've got the, uh, I've done it, a a do-it-yourself kind of podcast, which is uh, all 77 uh, episodes covering every uh, bite-sized chapter of the geographer that descended into madness so 
if, if you go to Anne Grizzly's The Geographer on Apple or Spotify, you can you can listen to the book if you don't have the money around at the moment because it on, is in on Amazon too, uh, paperback, uh, ebook, Kindle Unlimited. Um, so there's that, and also it's led to to um, over eighty uh, lectures, seminars for like forty five different universities. Cardiff was recent, and um, that's that's going really well. I've got a couple of things coming up. It's it's kind of cyclical. It might be for different cohorts, like once a year or something. But it's it's a step in the right direction. Uh, and I'm learning to like declare everything. So uh, a slightly different skill set. But I've got some great advisors around me, if you like, people who give me advice. Uh, like Mind Charity has been amazing. Um, kind of like the, the benefits trap, I suppose. Um, and so I'm doing lectures uh, on sort of uh, admission panels for prospective students, mental health, nursing, uh, psychology at, at, at um, Surrey. I was doing some filming recently for uh, Southampton from the, not last Friday, the Friday before, and it was so brilliant. Destiny, I was on a train the first time since last year. Mm-hmm. And went down to there did some uh, filming and then you know one the person directing got the, he- the hovercraft a sea cat from isle of wight so wow. just completely new stuff yeah uh, that was really good and other than that i've got my podcasts so. yeah brilliant your main aim is to just get your story out there really and so people can learn from it and there's definitely i've learned so much from it and also, just to add, I've actually read the uh, the start bit of your book, and I absolutely uh, really, really great. So uh, I'll add the link in when we publish the podcast. Brilliant. And um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, I, I, I well, anything new will happen at uh, andridley.com. Yeah, that's my thing. Anything? How to get into contact with you? Uh, yeah, there's uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, or, or Facebook. You know, whichever you're most at home with. Uh, answer your questions, and you know, you can read my. It's, I, I, I recently found a program online that you can put in uh, a date from the past, I think, or the future, and then today's date, and it calculates how many days there are in between. And I've been doing back-to-back nightly, nightly poems uh, from May the nineteenth. I think it is 2019 uh, to now, which is about like 750 poems, which is quite quite relentless. But it's a good it's a good pursuit for me, I think. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. I think this will really help the listeners, and if they know anyone or uh, that's kind of going through the same thing or just to educate themselves it will really really be helpful t- towards a lot of people that's good that's brilliant